welcome to the pickup game. I'm your host, Tim Williams. I'm joined this week by Jim Williams, host of several different podcasts, including Conference Call. How are you doing down there in Baltimore, Jim? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, this time of the year keeps us very busy because we have baseball just getting started. We have the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and... Um, Man, there's a little bit of something for everybody here. The weather's just getting nice up in the Northeast. It was 80 the other day here in Boston. I had, I couldn't believe it and was lucky enough I could sneak out and play golf. It's that kind of weather. So Wow. It's Yeah, it, it's late April, and it's about to be Patriots Day. Some people may be listening to this on Monday, which is Patriots Day in the state of Massachusetts, as well as, I believe, Wisconsin. And that usually means the beginning of the good weather for us, so... I'm excited about that, and of course, we've got sports to beat the band. Just to be just to be clear on this, to make sure that people know, that has absolutely nothing to do with um, the New England Patriots. It's an entirely different reason for the for the day. Correct? Yeah, it actually commemorates the very beginning of the Revolutionary War. And obviously, it's... that was before Belichick and uh, and and Brady. So it's the same. It's the same Patriots after whom the New England Patriots are named. Well, there's, there's, there's that as well. They, they might have dressed a little bit like the old logo back then. Yep, true, true. Well, I, I think the best place for us to start, because it's everywhere right now, is the fascinating NBA MVP race. The end of the regular season is upon us. Yep, it's it ended last night. It's really a two-way race, but it could be a four-way race, this MVP race. There's Russell Westbrook, who managed to average a triple-double for a season that was only done once before by Oscar Robertson. James Harden has put together a fantastic season and really elevated a Rockets team that was kind of middle of the road last year and is now... They look like they might have an outside shot at being contenders, but of course the very top of the league is just a tier above everyone else. Kawhi Leonard of the Spurs, who are in that tier above everyone else, you could make a case for him, and there's always a case to be made for LeBron. It's a really interesting race, and everyone has something to say about it. I really am fascinated by this. It's hard. It, you can't get enough. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there, look, the NBA has become, to some people anyway, um, a very much of a star-driven league. And and I do believe without question that um, any one of the people that you just mentioned could be. I'd like to throw my boy John Wall into the mix because they certainly have played well, but I, I don't think John's going to get a lot of votes for uh, for MVP. But, you know, the MVPs for all leagues is pretty subjective. I mean, you know, it really is one of those things where you sit there and go, well, you know, it could could be this, it could be that. But at the end of the day, it's um, it's it's really something quite interesting. Well, it's funny. I think pretty much every MVP race in any sport comes down to the same basic argument. And that argument is, how do you define valuable in the context of sports? And that's every baseball race. That's every heart trophy discussion. And it happens in football every year as well. And certainly we're having it in basketball. I think it's this year in basketball might be one of the perfect illustrations of this. 
if you're the person, who, the type of person who believes that the best season should be rewarded with the MVP, it's really hard to argue against Russell Westbrook because I have to imagine that in 30 years, Russell Westbrook's 2016-2017 season will be remembered because he averaged the triple-double. James Harden mm-hmm. is right on the same level. He's every bit as good this year. I think head-to-head, I, I would take the Rockets over the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I because he didn't hit that statistical milestone, I'm not sure if it has the same legs. And I I know that whenever someone hits one of those milestones in sports and doesn't win the MVP, it becomes part of a conversation that we never stop having. So it it would be weird for me to see Westbrook not win it, but that's if you believe the best season should be rewarded and there are other interpretations of valuable. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any question about that. The other aspect of it is that you've got You've got a lot of people who've seen a lot of different teams, but they don't get to see the team daily. And it's really hard to, you know, pick a, a an MVP if you don't see that team, you know, more than one or two times during the course of the season. I mean, obviously, you're watching on television, but I'm seeing, you know, the up close and personal specifically. If you're a voter for these, uh, you know, for these awards, uh, it it does make it difficult, and and that's where name recognition is is huge. Right, and of course that's that's what leads us to LeBron's role in this as he's kind of on the periphery of this MVP debate. But that's another one of those interpretations of valuable. If you're if you believe the most valuable player is the single best player in the league at any given time. Well, I'm sorry. That's LeBron. That's right now. He's above everyone else, and that he's the best player in the NBA. He hasn't had the best single season. He, you could make an argument that other teams or other players have helped their team every bit as much as LeBron has during the regular season this year. But he's the best player in the league. Usually, uh, there's. I don't think there's any question that uh, that you can make a. Uh, you can make a, a case for LeBron pretty much any time, uh, any any year he's played after about his third year in the league or second year in the league. So yeah, but I mean that's that's where guys get penalized. I mean you can say the say for Steph Curry, you can say the same for a number of uh, of guys who you know are Kevin Durant, guys like that. I mean they are they're stars for a reason. And, uh, you know, that's one of the situations where you basically reward them, but then you penalize them because you're always looking for, well, you know, I could give it to this guy every year, but I'd like to give it to somebody else this time. So, um, but I will I will say that it's going to be difficult probably to beat what's been done by Russell Westbrook. It just stands out. It, statistically, if you look at it, Harden and Westbrook are extremely close this year. But that difference in rebounds per game that gets Westbrook to average that triple-double, that stands out because we've heard the phrase average a triple-double for the season spoken of in such hallowed terms for so long because, again, 
when you hear the name Oscar Robertson, that's the first thing anyone says is, oh, yeah, he averaged a triple-double that year. And now there's a second guy to have done that. And as great as Harden has been, he's been phenomenal this year. It's really hard to argue against the cachet of that number. Yeah, there's no question about it. And he see, here's the situation. You've got Russell Westbrook who left OKC, right, and went to Houston, and it didn't miss a beat. Some would argue he actually got better. So, you know, I I think that, um, you know, yeah, there's a number of things you can, ways you can split this pie up. But I think at the end of the day, um, it's going to be Russell Westbrook gets it. Yeah, it's it, it seems like this is more debate for the sake of acknowledging how good all these other seasons have been. Because when you come down to who the people are that vote on these awards, they're the kind of people who reserve spots for milestones. And that's kind of been the way the NBA's always been. Although this would be the lowest ranked team coming into the playoffs to ever give a guy the MVP award. That's... That's been pointed out a whole bunch this week that nobody, there's no precedent for giving the MVP in this sport to somebody who's not on one of the best teams in the league. And Oklahoma City is probably going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, but it's an individual award. It's not a team award. And that becomes, again, it makes it very, it makes it a difficult argument. It makes it kind of a fun argument, this constant MVP debate. And basketball, while it has advanced stats, doesn't have the value stat that baseball has where you can throw down a number and call that an entire case being made for a guy. Right. No, I I just think, again, name recognition is key. Accomplishment is key. Numbers are key. You put them all together, and this time around, you got to look at it and say, uh, Russell Westbrook is the guy. To a degree, it reminds me of what happens in baseball every year in the American League with Mike Trout, who's on an Angels team that's going nowhere, but he is the best player in the American League, and you can give the wins above replacement stat we hear every year in that debate. He always seems to win that number in the American League, and it doesn't really matter that there's a comparable player on a better team because it's an individual award and they give it to Trout. And I think that they can, even though that's not basketball, you can cite something like that in giving the award to Westbrook, that he's the, he's the player that stands out the most. And that's usually who wins the MVP. But again, it's just so funny there's no accepted definition of what MVP means in a sports context. And we've had this debate for really 70 years going on throughout sports. It never ends. I find it fascinating and I find it a little funny. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it's when, uh, when you get to this point, it's always about, you know, what can you do to to make it better? And at this juncture, I um, I don't, you know, it, it's hard, it's hard, very hard to uh, to get 
to a point where you can say, all right, we can judge it this way, we can judge it that way. We can, you know, you just, at the end of the day, you know, there's no perfect way to pick a uh, most valuable player of any league. And and I guess we're just going to have to deal with what the, what these folks give us at this point anyway. Right. It's it's something that, again, makes for fun discussion, if nothing else. Sure. And really, that's all it is, is it's constant discussion. It's the same discussion. It never stops. It never really changes. It might add an element here or there. It might You might take defense into account more one year because that's yeah. how the league is at any given time or some other aspect of the game. But it's always really how do you define valuable and... That's that's a lot of fun. Something else I'll say about this year's MVP debate in the NBA. Usually, we like to take people and tear them down a little bit. That just seems to be the way things are going these days. That it's a lot more fun to take the angle that this guy doesn't deserve whatever. You don't hear that so much in the NBA right now. You hear reasons people do deserve the award. Hey, everybody. Tim Williams here to tell you about Podcast Lab. We're a group of writers, most of us sports writers like myself, who are taking our material to the world of podcasting. There's the Sunshine Boys podcast, where Jim Williams hosts longtime Tampa sports writers Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman as they take you through the week in sports. Joe also joins Tom Jackson and moderator Jim Williams for the Politically Incorrect podcast, giving you a taste of the political pulse of Florida. Puck University is our college hockey podcast, giving you a glimpse into the world of college hockey. Conference Call with Jim Williams breaks down the big events of the college sports calendar from the people who make it happen. Speaking of inside looks, get an inside look on golf, golf courses, and all things related to fairways and greens on Ground Under Repair. There's also my sports podcast, The Pickup Game with Tim Williams, giving you weekly takes on sports from a Bucks fan who loves Boston. All this with more to come on the Podcast Lab Network. Writers experimenting in podcasting. Welcome back to the Pickup Game. I'm joined by Jim Williams of Conference Call, host of the Sunshine Boys podcast, host of the Politically Incorrect podcast, and writer for News Talk Florida and Sports Talk Florida. We just talked a little bit about the NBA MVP race and the NBA playoffs start this weekend the boston celtics managed to win the number one seed in the eastern conference but it's most likely because the cleveland cavaliers are saving their best for the playoffs and they didn't want to strain themselves just for playoff positioning in what's really a shallow eastern conference oh yeah i think so i I will say this i think brad has done a wonderful job no question about it, in putting together um, the Boston team. And I do feel, without any uh, question, that Boston was the better team uh, throughout the season this year. I mean, you know, uh, no question that that we had some bumps and bruises along the way for the Cavaliers, but – Look, nobody cries when you get hurt. So, you know, it is uh, it is what it is. And uh, right now, I think the Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference. And uh, the road uh, 
the road definitely goes through Boston to get to the NBA playoffs. It does. And I really like the way the Celtics have built their team. I like the way Brad Stevens coaches. It's it's hard to argue anything Brad Stevens does at this point. He's amazing. Isaiah Thomas has really come on strong, and it will be really interesting to see what happens in the offseason should the Celtics, through the Brooklyn Nets, get the top pick in the upcoming draft, which is loaded with people at Isaiah Thomas's position. That mm-hmm. will be really interesting coming up. But even as someone who would very much like to see the Celtics make these make the NBA Finals, I have trouble seeing anyone in the East actually winning four out of seven from the Cleveland Cavaliers with a healthy LeBron James. And the fact is, LeBron James is always healthy. It's kind of superhuman. It's part of what makes his case in NBA lore so strong is LeBron doesn't miss games. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, his durability factors is off the charts, but I'm going to throw this out here. Um, when LeBron and his team, Cleveland, and prior to that, Miami, when LeBron has failed to win, it's when he's played a quote-unquote complete team. Meaning the you know they went down and played when he was in Miami they played the Spurs and they lost to the Spurs and they should have lost twice to the Spurs, um, but what happened back to back is what I'm saying to the Spurs, but you know LeBron has trouble playing against a team, the team concept of a team, and I think that that's something that Boston may offer uh, an opportunity. It's not a superstar team. It's a team that is, you know, the sum of its total parts. Uh, same thing with Washington, sum of its total parts. No, you know, the backcourt is uh, is strong with the, with the Wizards. Uh, but I, I do believe that, um, look, there, there's a lot of mileage on LeBron. I don't give him, I don't... Um, slight him anything about his talent no question about that but i do think that um the road to the championship round in the east is no lock situation uh for the cavaliers i i do believe that as good as lebron is you know he's getting he got some help from kevin love he's getting some other help from other players on the team I just I, I don't think that Cleveland A is a team that plays like a team. It plays like because LeBron won't play team basketball. You know, in my personal opinion, he likes to play his style of basketball, which you know is not necessarily conducive to team basketball. It it needs the right supporting cast is something he said a lot this year leading up to the trade deadline that there are specific players that thrive with LeBron but if you don't have those players good luck meshing with a guy on that level and that's that's asking a lot of Cavaliers not named Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving and as as the playoffs go on, it will be really interesting. But of course, I, I just I think there's still 
even though they're not the top seed in the East, they have to be favored in the East because even though you have really good complete teams in Boston and Washington and well-coached teams at that, the idea of LeBron having won a Game 7 in Boston would be um, a tall order even though he's won playoff games in that building before. But I still think the Cavaliers are the they're the favorites in the East, and then the West is just well. You've got the Spurs and the and the Warriors. I hope they get to the Western Conference Finals because I want to see that series. I I just want to see those two teams play each other. Oh, there's no question that um, you know it, <laughs> you know there is no question in my mind that. Greg Popovich doesn't get anywhere near the recognition that he need, he deserves. Uh, to put a Spurs team in the playoffs year after year after year, to put him in contention to be, um, you know, Western Conference champions year after year after year. I mean, it's just a it's an amazing circumstance, and uh, you know. I, I marvel at it, and uh, Steve Kerr now with uh, Golden State. Golden State is playing outstanding basketball. They're making a run there. Um, a lot of people think the sexy surprise pick, if you will, coming out of um, coming out of the West could very well be uh, Houston Rockets. We talked a little earlier about the Houston Rockets, but you know, it's um, there's even a few people out there that. Uh, Keep saying, don't sleep on the Clippers. And um, I think that might be a little crazy, but all right. Um, well, you, know, you got Chris, Chris Paul. played the best two yeah. weeks of his life, and mm-hmm. everyone else on that team just plays out of their mind, then maybe they could take the Warriors to seven and get beat. Well, <laughs> yeah, we yeah exactly. And Blake Griffin, I mean, they've got they're, – they're, they've got a, a pretty strong um, – pretty strong team there's no question about it but i'm not ready to um to drink the kool-aid on um the clippers i i still think this is a san antonio um a san antonio golden state um you know conference final which would be as you say that's uh that's pop the popcorn sit down and 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 really enjoy it because those are two outstanding basketball teams and to your point about greg popovich the Spurs have put together this historic team for so long that continues no matter who retires, which is pretty mm-hmm. amazing. And well, when but... when you have all these players retiring and the Spurs are still winning, you eliminate everything else. And what's win- what's the reason San Antonio wins? Well, it's Greg Popovich. I mean, their starting lineup is Tony Parker, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard. Of course, Kawhi Leonard is amazing. Marcus Aldridge, another scoring machine. Dwayne Damon. Uh, you know, it's it's a again, uh, it's 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 not an all star lineup. It's not the big three lineup, but together, it's a heck of a team. Yeah, that's a that's one tough out in the playoffs, and that's going to be, I. I'd love to see them make another finals just to see if that 
can I don't know why they need to keep cementing their legacy. They've I think they've more than done that already, but it always does seem like they're the forgotten one in all of these when we talk about the great teams and the great players today. We tend to overlook the Spurs. We did when Tim Duncan was there, even though he retired as one of the best players at his position than anyone's ever seen. We do it now, and it would be nice to see them make it. It'd be nice to see the Warriors make it. You meant it, when talking about coaches that sometimes run into issues getting credit, Kerr gets some, but he also gets a lot of, well, he has all these great players. Well, you got to make the great players work. We've seen all-star teams that haven't gone very far in the past in every sport, and you have to make that work. You have to make the big personalities work together, which in the NBA is no small task because, as you hinted at earlier, it's a personality-driven league more than any other right now. And to have three stars sharing the limelight, not where one is actually above everyone else no they're really sharing it and that's that's saying something that's some kind of a team building aspect and you have to look at the coach there as well absolutely yeah it's uh as good as michael jordan was he didn't start winning until phil jackson showed up and so, he had some great you know, teammates there as well when they started winning yeah. so yeah. it's you know coaching Pat Riley in Los Angeles when Magic Johnson was there. I mean, it, it all it all revolves around, um, you know, you can have great players, but you still have to have coaching. And uh, and Pop has been able to to do it, and that doesn't degrade in any way, shape, or form what Kerr's doing in Golden State. Or um, well, there are you know, plenty of great coaches in yeah. the league right now. It's just that I I just think that it's funny you don't hear that much about. Greg Popovich among them, even though he should be, you know, he's kind of on a plateau over everyone else in terms of coaches at this point. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like he doesn't get that credit, or at least he doesn't get it in the sense that the other supposedly best coaches in their sport get credit for their teams. Right. And it's, then we get to basketball, and suddenly the love that we've give that we give guys like Bill Belichick or Joe Madden or Terry Francona or what have you, it just doesn't seem to spread out to Greg Popovich, and that's that's a bit surprising because he has as loaded a trophy case as any of those guys. Oh, sure. Well, I don't think there's any question about it. So, nah, it's um, the old nothing to see here, right? Uh, it's uh, Popovich's Popovich's Popovich. That's not the only playoffs going on, is we're recording this on a Thursday, so last night the NHL playoffs got underway. Among the results, the Rangers beat Montreal, the the Boston Bruins beat Ottawa, which that's a slight upset, but the NHL playoff format is still, it's, I think three or four years into this new division format with the new playoff format. And it's really hard to get used to who's playing who in the first round and what it means for seeding. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, uh, it really does. And it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's absolutely tough. And I think the, the whole thing is something that um, it's uh, personally, I, I think it's fun to watch. I, I think they made some, some, 
some definite uh, they've done some definite things that make it really kind of cool and and I do think I, I think of all the playoffs the most difficult one to win is the NHL championship the Stanley Cup I think that is the toughest one to win I think it's the toughest um you know, it's just it, it's just you know amazing how difficult it is. you got to win 14 games 14 games to win the title and playoff hockey is brutal it's brutal on the players it's even tough for the fans it's you you watch those overtime games in an elimination game in the playoffs and the people watching the game at home are exhausted by the end of it it's these are it's where hockey shines is when the games really truly matter you don't have to make a case for why they matter. It's obvious. That's when that sport really stands out. And here we are in playoff time, and even the game ones last night were pretty fantastic. Even the Penguins, who really should be prohibitive, they they should be moving on, but they didn't have an easy time against the Blue Jackets last night. They won 3-1, to one, but that's not a blowout. And in hockey, blowouts are hard, even when you're the better team. I'll tell you, it, it, Pittsburgh's going to have trouble winning without Chris Letang. Uh, I really think that uh, Letang is, is really the guy that uh, makes that team roll. Uh, obviously, Sidney Crosby is a phenomenal player. There's, I mean, you could, they got an all-star team on, on their, you know, on their squad. There's no question about it. But all that being said, the guy who makes it work is Chris Letang, and um, he's not there. So, I, um, you know, I think it's gonna be tough for them to to get a, a to get there without Letang. And look, the Blue Jackets have played phenomenal hockey this entire season, and and obviously they don't always get um, they don't always get uh, the credit that they are due in this situation. And that should be a heated series as well, because as anyone looking at a map will tell you, Columbus and Pittsburgh are pretty close to each other geographically, which mm-hmm. works out very well for a playoff series. It's always good when the away fans can travel. And unless you're one of the really big name teams, that can be difficult sometimes to, to pull off. So it, that will be fun. One thing, uh, one series that really stands out to me, especially in terms of fans that will be able to get to both venues, the Washington Capitals and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. First time they've ever played each other in the playoffs. First of all, welcome back to the playoffs, the Maple Leafs. It seems like it's been forever since they've been even in the postseason. And whether you want Toronto to win or not, that's one of hockey's premier organizations. And it's mm-hmm. certainly, if you could name one city in the world as the capital of hockey, that's it. It's yeah. Toronto. It's where the NHL Hall of Fame is. So that's a city that's dying to see their team do well. They're going to host you know, games three, four, and presumably if there is one, six. And those games in Toronto are going to be wild. And the games in Washington are going to be wild because the Capitals – well, they've been really good pretty much every year for a while now. And well, this is the, this there's the a eighth, nervous atmosphere yeah. to it. 
this is the eighth year out of the last nine years that they've made the playoffs. So uh, it's the third time in that eight years that they've won the President's Cup, and they've won it back-to-back. So they're the best team during the regular season. Now it's time that they step up and prove that they are the best team in hockey. And I think to that point, um, I can honestly say, having seen a great deal of their their maturation over those eight years, uh, that this is a good this is a good hockey team, and uh, it's a hockey team that I honestly believe will, uh, without question, um, be something worth uh, worth watching. These guys will be fun to watch, and, and I think that's the key coming out of this um, is, you know, what do we learn from this? We learn that it's going to be fun to watch. The Capitals are going to be a great team to watch throughout these playoffs should they make it past Toronto, which, while they're heavily favored to do so, is no guarantee. And again, not only are those games in Toronto going to be packed with Maple Leafs fans, but they will travel to Washington. The Capitals will do very well to fill out that building, but there will be some blue oh, sweaters in that building because there are Maple Leafs fans everywhere. They have, again, oh. if you yeah. can pick a capital for hockey. Well, I was just going to say, uh, the Capitals are on their fifth consecutive year of, of sellout hockey, so getting in the building is not, you know, they'll be creative. I know that the Leafs fans are very creative, but uh, they will be creative in getting into the building, but uh uh, there'll be a sea of red uh, in uh, in Washington as that uh, that pro- that building. Uh, you know, the the saying is "rock the red," and I don't think there's any question that that's going to happen. Well, should they make it past Toronto? Should should the first round of the NHL playoffs, to use a college term, go chalk? Right. The Capitals in the second round would take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if the Capitals could win a series against the Penguins, that's already one of hockey's premier rivalries. It's going to be one of the things we remember about this era in the NHL is watching Ovechkin and Crosby go up against each other with two wildly different styles of playing hockey. And I think all that's missing is one deep Capitals run and this might be the year. They certainly are in great position to do it. Best of luck to everyone out there whose teams are in the NHL playoffs now. Enjoy it. Take it easy, because, again, playoff hockey is brutal. It is, especially once the elimination games start, it is, it's a grind, and it's it's fun to watch, but it's exhausting to watch as well. You don't, you don't get also that. Also hard on the fans. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it can be it can make for long nights, especially. Um, I remember it had to have been maybe ten, twelve years ago. The Anaheim Ducks got into, I think, a four overtime game, and of course it was on the West Coast, so they were playing hockey until two thirty in the morning back east, which that's not that unheard of in the playoffs for games to go that late, so. Well, I can remember a number of years ago, um, when watching the start of a game, going out and actually doing a baseball game, and coming back and thinking that I was watching a replay 
only to find out that I was watching the game that I had started, you know, I started the pregame show, I should say, to be fair. Uh, still watching it and still got to see a period of it because, again, they were in overtime. So there's a lot of overtime in in, in college. Uh, I mean, college hockey. You got me going to college hockey stuff. Um, in, uh, you know, in in the NHL playoffs. And, and it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Just quickly, we're going to have a last round where we both propose something and talk about it for just a brief bit, just something we're thinking about in the world of sports. So, Jim, I know you watch a lot of baseball. I know you've been mm-hmm. watching you know, sports all over the place. What are you thinking that we haven't touched on yet about the world of sports this week? I think we've touched on pretty much everything, but I do think that um, right now, the um, you know, I I know that we're going to do a show on him, but we would be remiss in not mentioning the passing of Dan Rooney, uh, the former um, part of the ownership group of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dan is someone who I was fortunate enough to. Um, to work with uh, and to know both him and his brother Tim and even his father, um, the late great Dan Ro- uh, uh, Art Rooney. Uh, it's an amazing family. Uh, it's a family-owned business. Uh, the Steelers have their own way of taking care of, um, you know, of of these issues and dealing with it from a standpoint of. Uh, it's a very much a family business, and, and I know that uh, even though he hasn't been involved with the team for you know for quite a while, he will be missed. And uh, so I, I again, as I say, you and I will be doing something on on Dan in the not too distant future. But uh, uh, rest in peace to Dan Rooney, and our best to the entire Steeler Nation, uh, of which we know many. Uh, many of them in our own family, uh, who who are uh, longtime Steeler fans. So uh, we know the passing of Dan Rooney is gonna hit Steeler Nation, which is a huge nation to be hit. Um, but uh, he was a great man. He was, um, you know, it's, there's an old saying that uh, you know that people are. Some people are just incredibly nice and and incredibly incredibly fun to be around. Uh, Dan Rooney was incredibly nice and incredibly fun to be around. Eighty four years old. I don't think I could say it any better than you did, but I, I my feelings are with the the people of the Pittsburgh area and with the Steelers. You know, everyone around the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is everyone around Western Pennsylvania, which, um, well, it's been, it's been kind of a long year sports wise out there in, mm-hmm. in, um, in a couple the of loss ways. Of Palmer, because, Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been long for, for Pittsburgh, but certainly the Steelers will continue to be in the Rooney family. will continue to be in the Rooney, Rooney family probably until there's no more NFL for the Steelers to inhabit. Possibly no beyond more that. Who, yeah, or no more Roonies to, to own them, yes. They could survive the NFL. We've seen teams survive leagues. The Tampa Bay Rowdies lasted longer than the lasted nine years longer than the NASL. The original Rowdies and the original NASL. 
you know, around football circles, certainly Dan Rooney will be missed. And and that's fitting for the city. That the people from that part of the world that make good, they always seem to give back. And they always seem to give back right where they're from. We've touched on the NBA playoffs, the NBA's fascinating MVP race, the NHL playoffs, and just a quick bit of a retrospective there on Dan Rooney. We'll be talking about him again later on as well on another podcast where where we can really gather our thoughts as well. Myself for the last thing, anyone listening to this in my area around Boston, have a wonderful Patriots Day. And everyone else, you should learn Patriots Day and celebrate it because it's a fun holiday to celebrate. It's all about the things we love about America. It's it's kind of like a mini early 4th of July. So, so I, I can't recommend it enough. And it's also a day where in Boston we start watching sports in the morning and don't stop until we're ready to go to bed. So that's certainly my kind of a day. No question. That's our show for this week. I'd like to thank Jim Williams one more time for coming on. You can find him on Twitter at WordmanDC. We are indeed back, and the pickup game will be up weekly moving forward. Next week, I'll be doing a big NFL draft special, talking about who might rise, who might fall, who might surprise in the NFL, and who the Bucks might be looking at. Subscribe to the pickup game on iTunes or Stitcher. And check out our whole array of podcasts on the Podcast Lab Network. This has been The Pickup Game. I'm Tim Williams. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio and thanks to Sports Talk Florida. And, of course, thanks for listening, everybody.